Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes. Agent Akeley enters Assistant Director Sharon Skinner's office and locks the door behind him. He strides purposefully toward the large antique mirror in the far corner, covered now by a white sheet. Grasping one corner of the cloth, he slides it away, letting it slither into a ball at his feet like a defeated spirit. The mirror's surface is dark. It does not reflect him or the office, instead simply a blank black slate. The scroll work etched around the frame glows slightly with a pale emerald luminescence. It is time. Loosening his tie, he begins to undress, keeping his gaze upon the mirror, lest something decide to come through. Soon, he is unclothed. Then he takes his skin off. Working a finger into the small slit on the back of his neck, just above the shoulder blades, he forces it apart, hunching his head forward and curving his spine up. Bone makes a brittle click, click, click noise as it readjusts, realigns. Soon, he can feel his true body begin to emerge from within the fleshy carapace. Black, slug-like head peels away from inside the mask of man. Unnaturally long fingers slither out of pink leathery gloves, dripping. Spindly, double-jointed legs step from within the husk of humanity. Wide, amber wings of satin membranes spread behind him, unfurling in the fluorescent office light. Akeley stands upright now, nearly seven feet tall, a gooey monstrosity that is part grasshopper, part butterfly. Something not of this earth. Kicking away its discarded costume, the creature squats in cross-legged fashion in front of the mirror, concentrates. Two willowy antennae extend from its brow and begin to glow in the same green hue as the sigils carved into the mirror's frame. Slowly, an image begins to form deep within the polished surface. It is a tableau of figures, frozen in mid-action in some kind of cavern. Akeley recognizes Special Agent Roy Arroyo, crawling on his hands and knees toward a low slab, upon which reclines a very tall woman surrounded by four robed individuals. One of them is Sharon Skinner, he knows. An old man stands with his arm outstretched, a crucifix hanging in the air between his hand and the head of one of the other robed figures. Private Detective Dan Williams is nearby, clearly in a shooting stance with his trigger finger depressed and a faint flame already ignited within the interior of his gun barrel. He is aiming toward a shirtless, long-haired man who has thrown his arms triumphantly wide at the apex of some sort of monologue. Or, rather, Dan is aiming at a curious obsidian puzzle box which resides in the shirtless man's open palm. Akeley recognizes the puzzle box immediately. It is one of a dozen artifacts known only as the Egg of Yig, a dangerous mystical object which cannot only widen cracks between time, but also open gates between dimensions. 
That fool, Samantha Blaine, had obviously gone to great lengths to acquire one, no doubt in some futile effort to recover her missing father, but let it fall into the Glatmanites' hands. If those cultists were allowed to finish a particular ritual using that box, they would be able to summon Yig. Akeley shudders at the thought. The box must be destroyed at all costs. He peers closer at the image and groans. Dan's aim is off. Way off. The feckless human is going to need some assistance, it seems. Akeley leans back and concentrates. His antenna pulses with a stronger luminescence that drifts towards Azure on the spectrum. Under his breath, he begins to chant an inhuman verse from an otherworldly language, the same language as the symbols encircling the mirror. The reflection shimmers slightly as an alien presence makes itself known. Yig, the father serpent, is there. Akeley can feel the old one pressing from the plane of its imprisonment, eager to disgorge evil into that godforsaken cave. And if that happens, there will be no one left alive in the tableau. Moreover, Yig's chaotic influence will spread like poison tendrils to the surrounding Louisiana environs, up the mighty Mississippi to who knows where. No, this has to stop here, now. Straining, head pounding with psychic effort, Akeley focuses his attention on Dan's gun. The private investigator's hand shifts ever so slightly in the near-frozen image. There. The weapon is no longer pointed directly at the puzzle box, but if Akeley's calculations are correct, the missile should hit its mark. Time resumes. The crucifix embeds itself in Leah Whiteside's head. The bullet rebounds off several surfaces, then splinters the puzzle box in an explosion of obsidian shards. The sigils surrounding the mirror go immediately dark. Akeley slumps to the ground, exhausted, his antenna fading and retracting back into his skull. He can only hope his machinations have wrought success, even though the noxious presence of Yig can no longer be sensed. The mirror is now simply a piece of antique furniture. Sighing, he picks up the puddle of cooling skin and reluctantly slips it back on. There is much work to do, and his mission on this earth is not yet complete. The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2018. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.